and uh, again, um, it's good to be back. And uh, those of you who have uh, or watching us um, online, uh, we uh, welcome you, and we appreciate you joining us for our uh, morning worship service here at Calvary Baptist. And um, uh, again, uh, I would like to express my thanks to, to the men uh, that um, have. Um, uh, uh, taken uh, the uh, task of uh, filling in uh, for the preaching of God's word, and uh, it's uh, wonderful to know uh, that uh, uh, you can be absent uh, for a moment and uh, things uh, go on. So I really, really appreciate uh, you men and uh, those of you who I haven't named, uh, and the Lord knows uh, who you are. And of course, um, uh, it'll be a, a blessing uh, to you. Um, <clears throat> I've seen some uh, work being done there at the um, uh, audio uh, um, area. So Mitchell, I'm, I'm turned on, I'm all good. Uh, and so thank you to uh, uh, Adam and all the ones that uh, are uh, participating in um, upgrading uh, all of those things. I felt jealous actually in uh, a couple of churches that I've been while I was away, and uh, I have some uh, really sophisticated uh, audio-visual equipments, and, uh, and I was looking at that, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, uh, some few things are happening around the churches, and um, I thought uh, somehow they have a, a, a screen that you can somehow see yourself while you're preaching, and uh, the, the good thing is why I'm a bit jealous is I'm looking at myself on this screen. I actually am slimmer. So uh, can, can, can we make that happen, Brother Adam? He's nodding him uh, his head. So, uh, you know, uh, so it, it's good to see, you know, I'm kind of slim. Oh, dear. I, I better get into the word. First Thessalonians chapter 4, please. First Thessalonians, forgive me. I've been away for a while, so... Uh, if uh, my jokes are uh, not landing, I'm sure I'll hear about it from Veronica later. Uh, but First Thessalonians chapter 4, and this morning we are going to resume uh, our series on Ready for His Return. It's been a while. Uh, of course, we had Christmas and we had uh, uh, all sorts of things happen in between. But I'm determined, beloved, that we will finish our series. It is uh, uh, very important for us to uh, understand and be ready indeed for the Lord Jesus Christ and His return. So just so we can refresh our memories, the last time we were here, we were at chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, uh, where we noticed a shift uh, in uh, Paul's tone in his letter. Uh, this time he was looking forward by encouraging them to abound more and more. And when I say them, of course I'm referring to the Thessalonian uh, saints in Thessalonica. And so uh, uh, as a young church composed of young believers, uh, they were doing well in their work of faith. Uh, in their labor of love, and indeed in their steadfast hope uh, in the coming of the Lord. As good as that was, though, as good as that was, uh, Paul encouraged them. Beseech is a very strong word. That was the word he used to admonish them uh, to keep on keeping on to better themselves, to abound more, to grow more and more, and encourage them not to think that they have already attained or that they have already arrived, but rather press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in their lives. So as a young church as this, uh, Paul also taught them about the, the, the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is a, a, a thought out there that uh, you just don't treat, uh, teach eschatology or prophecy in a young church. No, Paul, even as a young church, remember he was there just three Sabbaths, the Bible says. So it's a very young church when he left it because he was forced to leave the place because of the attacks and the opposition uh, of, of the Judaizers at his time. But in that short period of time, 
Paul taught the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, about eschatology. Uh, that just means the, uh, the, the, the future events of what is to come. And so he taught them, and consequently, they were literally waiting for Christ to return in their time, in their lifetime, in their generation, if you like. Uh, and so, so much so that in their excitement, in their enthusiasm, and in their earnest uh, uh, anticipation, if you like, they have lost their balance. They have lost their balance. They became so excited about heaven, and that's great, but they have forgotten that they were still living on earth. You know, many people are like that today. And um, I, I'll use it because uh, I, I want to prove a point, that they are so heavily minded that they are no of earthly good. Uh, depending on who you talk to and how you use that, uh, there are some uh, uh, thoughts in that. But uh, these people, they've lost sight of their responsibilities. While it was good that they were eagerly anticipating of the return, uh, what was not good is that they have neglected to work with their own hands. They have neglected to work uh, with their own hands. They spent their time in habitual idleness or laziness, um, that inaction on them. There was reason to believe that they were indulging in the labor of others. Instead, that they were uh, uh, working, they have become busy bodies. Uh, they were minding everyone else's business, but not their own. And again, I, 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 I caution us in love. We could be so opinionated, if you like. We could be so much to say on other people's lives and other people's um, uh, 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 things that are happening in their families, and we are very quick to, to suggest, uh, to give instructions on how people should raise their families. But listen, how about our own families? How about what's happening in our own homes? How about our own responsibilities before the Lord God Almighty as an individual answerable and accountable to the Lord? And that's what has become of the Thessalonian believers. They were so quick to point out everything else about other people, but they have failed to notice what's happening in them. Now on top of this, they have become confused. They have become confused about the return of the Lord. The passage that we will, uh, or we are about to read in a moment and consider is so familiar, but so rich, so rich that I have decided to divide it into two major topics, the resurrection of the sleeping saints and the translation of the surviving saints. And we'll take care of those on separate sessions. And so we understand that in this present age, God is audibly silent. God doesn't speak to man audibly in our dispensation or in our time today. Unlike in the old covenant, in the Old Testament, where God would speak directly from heaven... And remember, there was a time that the Lord is silent, what, we, what the theologians call the silent years, and then you hear him say things again in the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. Today, beloved, you and I uh, are able to listen to the Lord through the preaching of his word, through our own meditation, and reading of the Word. It is in this book that God speaks to us. And through the Holy Spirit, through that small, still voice, that we get to hear about the Savior Christ. So we understand that in this present age, He is audibly silent, but He speaks through us to through His inspired, infallible, inerrant, inerrant word. And by that I mean 
His word is incapable of being in error. That's very important. Okay, and when we say it is the inspired word of God, many faith groups today, oh, we believe in the inspired word of God. But hang on, what do you mean by inspiration? Here is what it should mean. Every word, every jot and tittle that is in this word is here because God wants it to be. It's no accident. It is not just a... Uh, to fill in the line, every word, every jot and tittle that's in the word of God is inspired. And whilst we speak in our English today, in our sophisticated, grammatically correct English today, whatever is contained, every word is verbally inspired, is plenary inspired. That means it has authority, whether it's spoken in the old covenant or in the new covenant, whether it's a prophetic book or whether it is an epistle, whether it's a historical book or whatever it is, every word is inspired. Oh, beloved, on my travel. I'm here to tell you yet again, to remind you that this, the Bible that many of us have got multiple copies from our, uh, in our homes, is the Word of God. It is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. So we understand that He speaks to us through His Word. Through the Holy Spirit. He is gathering in the church and taking a people for his name. Acts chapter 5 verse 14. And that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know that not everyone will get saved. But God's desire is that all would come to repentance. And so at the moment, he is exercising grace and mercy. Aren't you glad? He is exercising grace and mercy. But time will come. He will exercise his righteous and holy judgment. We understand, of course, that we're looking forward to that next major event in God's prophetic calendar. That calendar of future events being our blessed and our heavenly hope. And so sadly, not many churches these days preach about this. And even more so, just like in the days of Salonican saints, there is so much confusion about this uh, topic here in our day. I say it again. This is one of the reasons why I felt compelled to preach on this series to ready the saints to ready the saints uh, to or oh, for Christ's return, so that we as God's people be not conformed and comfortable. So that we as God's people be not conformed and comfortable uh, in this life, in this world, but rather be transformed, okay, by the renewing of our minds, and our hearts for that matter. By the renewing of our minds and our hearts that while we deal with the trials and temptations of this life and as we wrestle uh, for uh, not against uh, principalities or flesh and blood I should say uh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Oh beloved, I've seen it. I've seen the deception uh, of people and uh, for ethical reasons, I won't name which country that was, but the deception and the power of darkness is for everyone to see. And I'm glad that I have the living word of God that whatever I'm seeing out there, I can refer to the word and know that it is in error and it is indeed the work of the devil. 
And so I'm telling you that we are wrestling with spiritual wickedness in high places. And then as we do that, that we would lay aside those sins that easily beset us, but rather look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Bible says, uh, who is uh, indeed uh, realizing that Him, Him that has begun a good work in us, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful Savior we have. And like the Old Testament saints, that we so look for and look forward to that city whose maker and builder is God. Oh, Hebrews 13 tells us, uh, 13 verse 14, uh, that uh, for here we have no continuing city, beloved, but we seek the one to come. And consequently, we would not lay up treasures here on earth but rather that we would lay up treasures in heaven above. My dear ones, the hope that we have in the new Jerusalem is and should be uh, our earnest motivation to be ready for his return. Let us hear it yet again from the Lord Jesus himself. Let not your heart be troubled, believer. Oh, let not your heart be troubled. The Lord Jesus himself. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, seated at the right hand of God, advocating and interceding for you uh, and me. Uh, but he will come again. He will come again. And I believe in any moment now, he will come again and, uh, and receive us himself and by himself aren't you glad that he is the one that uh, 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 that he will come and believe that us uh, believe beloved that he will receive us to himself and where he is that's where we will be also first Thessalonians chapter 4 and uh, that's just the introduction I'm sorry, I'm a bit uh, uh, long. I, I haven't seen you for a while, so I thought we'd do a little bit of a review. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Would you stand with me, please? First Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13, to continue in our series. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Our Father, thank you once again for this time. Thank you indeed that we have your word as the absolute truth. And Lord, we can look it up every day. We have no prohibition unlike in other countries. We can look it up. We have plenty of uh, copies and versions even in our own libraries at home, uh, offices perhaps. And so, Father, help us as we look to your word uh, now. Uh, again, I pray uh, for the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit on high that you will use this servant to be your mouthpiece, to communicate to your people, uh, uh, to foretell, to foretell uh, indeed the coming of the Lord. Thank you for everyone that's here. And thank you those that are listening and watching us at this time. We give you all the praise and the glory for you deserve it all. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now Paul said, I would not have you ignorant or uninformed is the idea here. Concerning them who are asleep, uh, let us just stop there for a moment. Paul said, I would not have you misinformed, okay? The word sleep here uh, is used metaphorically, uh, meaning the believer's death. Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 7. Just back up a little bit, Acts chapter 7. Here we'll uh, see uh, a manifestation uh, of this. Acts chapter 7, 
beginning here in verse 59. <clears throat> Acts 7, verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We find here the, the first biblical truths uh, here that is important to, to, know, to be known by every believer. First, the believer's spirit, where does it go when we die? Okay. Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Hence, we rightfully say with the Apostle Paul, I'm from the body, present with the Lord. Can you see it? Can you see how scriptures back up another scripture? Now, notice verse 60, but I don't want us to miss this important point first. What a Christ-like attitude this deacon had. And we would all do well, deacon or not, uh, to follow in his example. Remember, he was being stoned to death at this time. Yet he said, Lord, lay not this to their charge. Oh, I look at that again. And I look at myself. And the flag that I caught, the criticisms, the little here and there, and I get really upset. And I, I really get mad sometimes. I get to read and hear of what happens to the goings on in other churches and other pastors, not only in Australia, but in the world. And how they are being persecuted for their faith. Uh, falsehood and mis representation and uh, everything that goes on. But here we find Stephen being stoned to death. He said, Lord, Lord, do not lay not this to their charge. Sounds familiar? Who said that? The Lord Jesus. Our ultimate example of what it is to be I believe in him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, my dear ones. Oh, we have a lot to learn about loving the unlovable many times. The second biblical truth here, when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's the language of script, the inspired word, remember? He fell asleep. Understand, beloved, the Bible does not teach soul sleep. The Bible does not teach soul sleep as group teaches. It is not the soul that sleeps, it's the body that sleeps. The physical, the mortal, the corruptible body of the believer is placed in the grave, but the spirit goes to the Lord. Uh, and so when a Christian dies, his body falls asleep, but his spirit is alive in its fullest sense. And not only that it is alive, it is in the presence of the Lord. It is in the presence of the Lord. And do not be misled. Do not be ignorant, as Paul said here. Uh, do not be uninformed. The Bible does not Teach soul sleep, but body sleep. Okay? A believer's death is really like what you and I do every night. We sleep. We rest. Sleep is a blessing. Now, for some of us, we have limited sleep after last night. Amen? But it is a blessing. Uh, and for me, give me two or five minutes, Brother Branco, and I'm out. Okay, uh, I'm out, I'm resting, and oh, I love to sleep. I wish I could do it uh, more often. Uh, 
Similarly, beloved, when we die, we enter a time of rest. And not only that, when we sleep, we actually do not die. Amen? You're all here. You slept the night. Uh, the fact that we are sleeping and snoring for some of us does not mean that we are dead. We are just resting. But we are truly alive. And my snoring proves that while I am asleep, I am still alive. You can hear the evidence. My snoring proves that I'm not dead. I'm just sleeping. Now at some point in time in our sleep, we are going to wake up, right? Amen? What have you done to our congregation, Joshua? Have you scared them too much, brother? He goes like this. No, if anyone, I'm the one that would look at me. You know, it's pretty scary face when you go. Sorry, Josh. I missed that. Right? That uh, youngish smile of you. Now, at some point in time, we are going to wake up. Similarly, those who have gone before us. Those that have gone before us in the grave, their spirits are with and resting with the Lord. And there shall be an awakening, if you like, a wake-up time for the sleeping body, so to speak, which is what we, we have here in our text, the resurrection of the sleeping saints. Here in verse uh, 13, of course, uh, we read uh, that uh, Paul has said to them that uh, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them which are asleep in Jesus with, will God bring with them. Let me share with you what I learned about the word cemetery. This word has uh, been derived from the Greek word koimao. Uh, and specifically the word koimaterio. A place where the sleepers are put a cemetery. So cemeteries are places where bodies are sleeping, awaiting resurrection. Hmm. And so again, it's the body that sleeps, not the soul uh, or the spirit. And so the doctrine of soul sleep, I say it again, is false and in error. Here in again demonstrates to us or for us the beauty of the death of the saints resting and sleeping. Uh, it is any wonder, is it any wonder that the psalmist said, precious, precious in the sight of the Lord the death of his saints. Beautiful. I must tell you or warn you even, however, this description of death, as we have just covered, as in sleeping or resting, is never used for an unbeliever. Never in the entire scriptures that you will see that the concept of resting and sleeping has been used for an unbeliever. That concept has always been used in the context of a believer. Now while their bodies are placed also in the grave, and while their spirits are also in existence, they are not, however, in the presence of the Lord. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. You've uh, learned this before, but it'll be good to review. Luke chapter 16, please. And here is a, a discourse that the Lord, uh, we can see here, has been teaching continuously. Uh, let me remind you again, in the original manuscript, there's no chapter and verses. So the Lord is just continuously teaching here. In Luke chapter 16, beginning here in verse 16, we find here... Uh, uh, 
the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, in some of your Bibles, perhaps the heading is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus or the parable of the rich man and the beggar. A parable, of course, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, that's the definition of a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, if you have a, a red letter edition of the Bible, of course, you will notice that this passage read. Uh, meaning that the publishers uh, are making a point that the narrative here uh, was uh, said by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, uh, for those of you who have this as a, a parable, um, let it be so. Uh, but whether this narrative was a parable or a true account, where what I believe it is, a true account... <clears throat> a certain rich unnamed man and a certain beggar named Lazarus. Uh, here uh, in uh, verse uh, 19, we read, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Mark, mark that uh, um, word. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell. Okay. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all these, beside all these, and beside all these, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I'd like to highlight a few things here for us. First, the places heaven, Abraham's bosom, and hell are real places. Are real places. They are not man-made imaginary places. They are real places and the Bible proves it. Therefore, do not be afraid to mention the word heaven and hell when you're preaching and when you're teaching. And no matter how young or old your audience is, you have to teach them about heaven and hell. I am concerned, greatly concerned, that many of the new methodologies of churches today, oh, don't mention about hell. Oh, don't scare the kids. They will have nightmares. And I'll tell you, if my kid has uh, having nightmares tonight, I will sue you. And so what do preachers do? 
I've seen it happen. Parents even, believing parents even say, I don't want you to mention hell to my child. Well, rip it apart then. Take it off in the scriptures. If you do not want your children to hear about the reality of heaven and hell, then take this page off. Take the page off. They need to hear. They need to hear the reality of heaven and hell. Second, there are only two places where those who died and die will go. It's either heaven or hell. There is no middle ground. There is no purgatory that you can do penance for others to pray for you to somehow get to heaven eventually. Nowhere is that mentioned in the entire scripture. Remember verse 26. There is a great gulf fixed. A great gulf fixed between you and me. So that those that are there cannot go to heaven. And those that are in heaven cannot go to hell. That's Bible. How many, how many podcasts have I seen and heard who no longer believes in that? Or diluted. Hmm? Soften it up. Make it palatable. Great go, um, old Spurgeon says, you actually got them closer to hell than actually save them. Never be afraid to mention the word heaven and hell. I must caution you, be sincere and be tactful when you mention these things. Two places, no purgatory, and indeed there is a great gulf fixed. Thirdly, the passage does not teach that all rich men and women, for that matter, only go to hell. And that only the poor people go to heaven. Again, that's a twist of scripture. What is true and what is taught here is that when a person dies, he does not just annihilate. He just doesn't somehow disappear uh, from the face of the earth and any other place. Uh, uh, and some believers teach us that, or teach that. The biblical fact is both the believing and the unbelieving continue to exist after this life. And they will either go to a place of comfort or a place of torment. The question is not whether you are rich or whether you are poor. The question is, do you know your eternal destiny after you die? Amen, brother. We do not go back to this earth or come back to this earth like a butterfly. Huh? People teach that. When I am reincarnated, watch the word, I want to be a dog. In fact, in one of my internet feeds, a person took, or a mother, took his or her son, I cannot remember anymore, to the vet instead of the doctor. Can you believe it? Why? Because the child says he believes he's a dog. Brother Branko took him to the vet. Uh, how? Anyway. <laughs> what in the world is happening? Mom, Dad, I believe I'm a dog today. Oh, you got fever. Let's go to the vet. Doesn't make sense. And so we do not reincarnate, beloved. And so if you're here and you do not know, you're not sure, you're having doubts about your eternal destiny, I plead with you. Do not leave this place without ever knowing. Because this is so important. 
I want to pause here right now. Is there any Pastor, I, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I'm not sure. I only just heard that this heaven and hell is real. And I don't want to go to a place called hell. I want to be in a place of comfort. I want to be not in a place where I am tormented. Is there anyone? And no music, no background, no nothing. Anyone at all that are having difficulties or doubt about their eternal destiny, would you raise your hand right now and I'll get somebody to come to you. Pastor, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm doubting my eternal destiny. Anyone at all across the building? Anyone? Perhaps that's too radical for you. You're embarrassed. I understand. But if that's just the reason, please see me after the service. Now back in our text. Paul wrote um, here in 1 Thessalonians 4, please, uh, our, our text again. Uh, here in the uh, second part. Brethren, we sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Beloved, understand that this is a fulfillment of what was promised to us in Jesus Christ. He who hath begun a good work in you, uh, in us, will perform it until the day of Christ. Those that have believed in Christ, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, right in front of you there, those that have received the gift of God of eternal life through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast, those that understood that uh, the wages, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's never through religion. It is never through good works. It is never through philanthropic uh, uh, giving of money to something. It's always and has always been through Jesus Christ. From uh, what the Bible says, the heart believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Them ones should sorrow not. Because verse 14 of our text, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring him. That we having died in Christ will continue in Christ. Indeed, my dear ones, in all things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For we are persuaded that neither death, did you see that? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, uh, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all about Christ from the beginning till the end of time. It's always Jesus Christ and it's never ever anybody else or anything else for that matter. Indeed, we know that this, this, beloved, the Bible, this is the record, this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath life, the Bible says, and he that hath not the Son uh, uh, of God hath not life. Uh, again, let me ask you, do you know do you know where you will spend eternity? And again, I say to you, the plane ride towards Manila, the plane ride going back, the countless people that are at the shop seemingly enjoying life, people that are walking through the airports, some are in the corner, when, I was, uh, when we were in um, uh, uh, Thailand uh, waiting for our, our connection, um, no offense to anyone and no fake group, there is a man there with a curly hair in black hat just reading, reading. And from what I have observed, he's enjoying what he's reading. I don't know what he's reading. If he's reading about the extra biblical rabbinical writing, then it's not the Bible. And then in another part of the airport, there is 
a couple of young people reading the Bible. What a blessing to see young people reading the Word of God. Oh, believer, be comforted that even in death you are in Christ. And verse 16, for when the Lord himself, not the angels, nor any other heavenly emissaries, not Peter, who some believes is somehow the heavenly usher that will welcome us into glory. Uh, no, the Lord, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump, not Donald Trump, okay? With the trumpet of God, those that have died in Christ, those sleeping saints shall rise first, shall be resurrected. They will no longer, uh, their bodies will no longer be in the grave. They will rise again, just like our Lord did from that borrowed tomb. Millions across this fallen world will have graves open on that day. If that is not the case, regardless, these bodies can penetrate the ground. And anything, any mortal thing, those sleeping saints' bodies will reunite with their spirits as the Lord will bring them with Him. Verse 14. Indeed, they will rise first, now in their glorified bodies, and meet the Lord in the air. Watch the language of Scripture. So return with their bodies and spirits in the Lord. And so, the Bible says, shall they ever be with the Lord. <coughs> now I know we did not read verse 15. But I would like to make a point uh, which I believe is very important. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Again, I've seen you for a month. I just wanted to remind you yet again how important the Word of God is. The Word of the Lord in our day, today existence. And in case, in this case, of the confusion of the Salonicans, the death of the saints. As I traveled, once again I say to you, I was confronted with the need, physical, Personal, emotional, mental, but most especially spiritual needs. I said it already. The deceptions of the devil is rife. My dear ones, there are so many worldly words out there. Let's stick to the word of the Lord. One of the sad things that I have to encounter while I was away is to now know people that I studied in Bible college with, people that I have debated in the library, people that I, I know personally, prayed with, are no longer preaching the word of the Lord. They have resorted into some YouTube they have resorted into some man's words. They are now peddling the words of infallible men rather than the word of God. What a sad thing to now know. People have left the word of the Lord and exchanged it from some cheap copycat that do not bring the message of truth of God. Beloved, no parachurch. No preacher, no preaching, no person for that matter, regardless whether they are on TV, whether they've got 7,000 congregants, or whether they are in YouTube, like I said, or in podcasts, blogs, or whatever platforms and forms they come, can replace the word of the Lord. I am sad to know that those people, like I said, are no longer preaching the word of the Lord. In some cases, traditions have replaced the truths of God's Word. Persons, populism, political correctness have replaced the person of Christ. Money, music, methods have taken over ministries of the local church. Favors, watch it. 
F-A-V-O-R-S. Favors have replaced fervor. F-E-R-V-O-R in preaching in season and out of season the word of the Lord. Oh, Calvary Baptist Church, let it not be so amongst us. For and by the word of the Lord, we should live and die if necessary. This does not bend to any culture. This does not bend into the new generations. This stays true. For its message is true. It doesn't become a secondary tool. To communicate who Jesus Christ is. It is the main source of how it is. And who Jesus is. Don't fall into the new methodologies of this, more, of this world. And so, verse 15, as, uh, as Paul said here, uh, he said, comfort, comfort, uh, comfort ye one another uh, with these words. Don't worry, he said. They will not miss out. In fact, they will rise first. Then we, which are surviving saints, will follow after them. Let me just close our time together now. I understand I wasn't here for the funeral of our beloved brother Larry. I... Uh, Wish I could, but things are booked and I've enjoyed the time with Judy and the family before we, I finally flew out that day. We have recently grieved about the loss of Rosie and Erin. And of course, we remember our brother Eric. They've gone before us. They won't miss the rapture, Mrs. Kaufman. They'll be the first ones to rise. They'll be the first ones to be resurrected, Judy. If Maynard and Monica are listening to me, those little ones will go. Can I comfort you, the families, and indeed the wider church? Be comforted. Be comforted, beloved, with these words. Brother Ty, you will see your son again. The truth of the doctrine of the resurrection of the saints. We've not lost them. They're just resting. Their bodies are just sleeping in the grave. And this word of the Lord is meant to be a comfort. I comfort you to all of us today. Mitchell?